Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I'm your host Ben Kreider and today I'm going to be giving you all recaps from the Thunder's past two games, what has been going on there, and a little bit about the guard discussion that we have going on. Trey Mann, Teo Maladone, Ty Jerome, going to be hammering in on all three of those guys. And like always, I'm going to be giving you a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. My apologies for not getting any daily episodes out this week. It's been a lot of work, kind of transitioning to kind of like some harder classes, about to get those finals in. So got to tone it back a little bit, but it should be ramped up uh, in about a week or so. And then obviously, once we get closer to December, then, uh, then we can start looking maybe at dailies once again. So my bad, but there were two games that were played. The Kings, they obviously played them on Friday, and then they had the game against the Brooklyn Nets um, that happened on Sunday. So just starting out with the Kings game, I think we all know sort of what happened here. So I don't know if I should go play by play, right? But I'll just give you the gist of what was going on in this game so you start things out the kings do have De'Aaron fox they're not really out uh, of anybody that crazy on the team for the thunder their injury report was pretty slim to none they did unveil their jerseys though they had the new white city uh, edition jerseys with the grayscale court i think it looked kind of clean i don't think i ever added my two cents on the pod uh whenever i discussed the jerseys but Uh, I was kind of thinking maybe a little bit of color they could have splotched in there, maybe like some orange lines, just something, because I think the gray and the white maybe uh, wouldn't have looked that good on TV. Didn't look like an issue, so that was good. I think the uh, the court's good too. I mean, it's one of those deals where I just wish there was a little bit more, but I kind of understand the grayscale look. It looks pretty damn clean though. I will say the jersey, I like the stripes like how they use like the block numbers from the 2017 season. Just kind of all those little details that they used. I think they could have got a couple maybe like lines in there though. Get a bit of color. Maybe like the uh, like the literal collar. You could have made that some. But I think for the most part, it was a pretty solid jersey. I mean, when you look at the start of this game though, the Thunder started 1 of 8 from the floor. And then the Kings also were doing pretty bad, 2 of 9. So it was really just a slow, slow, steady process for both sides to really feel each other out in the game. You kind of had a couple shots where like Fox would hit a 3, Giddy hit a 3, and then Rashawn Holmes and SGA were kind of just swapping shots back and forth. So there wasn't much going on. Uh, Once you got to the 5-minute mark, game was 11 to 10. But then you had the Kings start to like ignite a little bit from the paint. Tristan Thompson was the main one. He got a dunk and a floater down, got it up to five. And then Buddy Heald actually put it up to eight uh, with two minutes to go. He had a 25-footer. The big deal, though, Trey Mann checked in in the first quarter. And he was playing in the G League um, prior to this point. He was technically on roster the game that Kretschy clocked in at five seconds. Uh, but he really was not part of the team, so he got his name called in the first quarter. He looked pretty damn good, so he got a free throw. This was like a split conversion, so it wasn't like an and one. Uh, but on the very next play, he was able to get inside and get a finger roll to go. So it was a two-point game at the 50-second mark. It was 18-16. to 16. The Thunder were making a little bit of a, uh, a comeback there, but then Sacramento, they kind of got the last laugh. They had Tristan Thompson yet again going inside. He had a hook shot. Tyrese Halliburton had a three, and that kind of did it. They were up 7, 23, 
to 16 going into that second period and they actually got it up to 10 a little bit later Terrence Davis hit a three-point shot and then Rashawn Holmes had a dunk of his own move it up to 11 points kind of had a bit of a push from the bench though Kenrich Williams he had a three-point shot Trey Mann also was able to get involved he had a pen marked floater of his to get a 9-0 run to kind of shrink it back down at the eight minute mark but then when the Kings put in their starters it got a little bit bad for the Thunder. Harrison Barnes and De'Aaron Fox, they were getting nine consecutive points. The Thunder could not answer. And then Chesame Metsu also got a three of his own to move it back up to 10. So the Thunder got that one major run only for it to just get really countered in a span about a minute or so. They had a 12-4 run there from the Kings side of things. And then you just started looking at the Thunder. They matched what was going on yet again. SGA and Lou Dort had 15 consecutive points for the Thunder, but for the Kings, they were still rocking and rolling. They had five options on the floor, so they had a 14-point, 48-34 lead with four minutes to go, and the Thunder, they really didn't have any answer, at least on defense. Offensively, they still had the keys in SGA and Lou Dort. They had 17 of the team's final 19 in the half, but the Kings just had too many people to kind of kick it around to, so they were up 14, 62-48, to going into the second half of the game kind of the brief stat check here thunder shot really bad from three that was the main takeaway from friday three of 14 in that half 21.4 percent really only sga and lou dort were getting anything done sga had 13 at the half lou dort had 12 and then for the kings they were shooting pretty well from distance actually 39.1 percent went nine of 23 to get there and the paint was the big deal 24 of their points were coming from inside and Rashawn Holmes already had a double double with 10 points and 11 rebounds but checking out that second half had Baisley getting a lot of cuts in there Lou Dort had a two threes actually in a row to kind of move it out it was a 10-2 opening run for the team to make it a six point game but the Kings just went right back to their bread and butter. Just kick it inside Rashawn Holmes find Metu outside he was looking good from three uh, and then the Thunder had to go back with an SGA three. That was a step back from 27 feet out, and then he also had a layup. Um, but yeah, you can just had it where the Thunder kept whittling that lead back down. But then Sacramento got that really big run that they needed because they were up multiple different times uh, by double digits in that second quarter, but they, they didn't have that big, big break. They got it here. They had a 14-0 streak. Seven of those points came from Harrison Barnes, and they were up 18 points to the tune of 81-63 to with five minutes to go in the quarter. So the Thunder needed somebody. And they found Darius Baisley kind of as that piece. He had eight consecutive points for the team. Two of those were threes. And then they were able to get a dunk in from Bays to cut the lead down to 12. Derek Favors was able to get a pull up on the next play, cut it down to 10. And then Favors got a layup on the very next play to slice it to eight. So they had a big, big closing run. Davion Mitchell hit a three to end it. So it wasn't like a straight, you know, eight consecutive or 10 consecutive points. But it was still single digits going into the fourth, 86 to 77. All things considered, that was a hell of a comeback uh, from the Thunder in that frame. And then in the fourth quarter, the duo of Trey Mann and Mike Muscala 
showed up big time. Nine straight points for the team. Cut it to four at 90 to 86. Three minutes in, Mike Muscala hit a triple to dwindle it from seven to four points. And then it was just back and forth over and over again. The Thunder, they decided to put in Kenrich Williams. Uh, that was a good move. And then Bays also came in right after him. And that actually moved it to a 90-90 tie. So the slowdown didn't really do that much because the Thunder did prop themselves back up top. But Buddy Heald got the lead back a minute later. He had a pull up and it was just that sort of exchange. So just speeding up to the two minute mark, it was 101 all, two minutes, 44 seconds to play. And then SGA drove inside on a driving layup. And he missed it. But the big deal, Lou Dort came down with the rebound. He put it right back up, picked up two points, got them on the high side there. And then you had to look at what the Kings were going to do uh, to try to maybe free themselves up and get back on top or at least tie the game. But they missed three consecutive shots. So the Dort was wide open for the Thunder to get up double digits, if not triple digits, if they played their cards right. They did not. SGA got two consecutive charging fouls, went from three to five fouls in a span of like 45 seconds to a minute there. So it was ugly. And Sacramento, they had the opening and they found it in Rashawn Holmes. He skied up for a layup, but Treyman did foul him. He had to earn it at the line. It did not matter though. Tie ball game, 49 seconds to go. Dagnall had to call a timeout. They roll it back out. SGA's in the half courts. And he just drains the clock down. It gets it to 22 seconds before a 27-foot step back is popped. It was no good, though. And then Rashawn Holmes came down with it, gave the ball to De'Aaron Fox. And with De'Aaron Fox, we know this. We, we know this. Like He's one of the fastest dudes in the NBA. It's really not up for debate, either. He is just that quick. Lightning speed. The acceleration is scary. You do not want to have him as your one-on-one -on -one matchup uh, for the final possession of a game. But he strolls up, he wants to get the offense all set up, and he's looking to take it one-on-one -on -one around 30 to 33 feet back on Lou Dort. And he's not making any move on it. You know, it's a smart decision because there's no play clock to really deal with here. But he just shrinks the, uh, the time down about eight seconds, and then he starts moving forward. So he drives left. And he's a lefty, so I guess it does make some sort of sense. But he goes for a left-to-right crossover, trying to engage on a drive at the left wing. And on the crossover, Lou Dort was able to strip the ball loose. It was kind of rolling around for a second or two. Lou Dort picked the basketball back up, and he had a whole lot of hardwood in front of him. So he just charged down the court, and he had a whole herd of kings chasing after him so he drove in slashed inside with maybe two seconds left buddy healed gets there first so he has to evade buddy healed or take the contact he opts to just try to sidestep him he does it successfully but on the backside, he had De'Aaron Fox on a chase down and he he kind of like skies up right and it's like a freeze frame almost he just rests there for what felt like a second or two you know he was just at his apex of his jump just lingered around, made sure Fox was not in the vicinity, and then he just put in a pretty nice finger roll. No arc on this bad boy. Literally could have just dropped it in the basket. That's damn near what happened. Swish, 105-103. to 103. Thunder take that game. Major, major win. That's their first 
four-game winning streak in well over a year. Last time we saw that was August 1st of 2020. That's when Chris Paul was the commander for the OKC Thunder. So pretty huge scenario that put them in a play-in seed technically if the season uh, were to end there. So that was very big. And you're doing it on a pretty big night, unveiling the new court. Obviously, the star of the game goes to Lou Dorton. that one. He ended up posting 22 points. Obviously, had that game-winning steal. And then SGA also had 22 points of his own. Trey Mann had 12, though. That was one that might have flew under the radar. Probably did not, though, because it is Trey Mann. Everyone's been looking to see him. And as a result of Mann playing, you didn't see Teo Maladone playing in this game. Jeremiah Robinson Earl was a bit quiet in terms of points. Two points. Had 14 rebounds, though. He went one of nine. And he had like three or four just chip shot layups, point blank, and he blew them. So he he kind of needs to fix that. Obviously, it doesn't matter. This That's not what you look at in this game. You're looking at Lou Dort's just prominence in the end game there. But for Jeremiah, you got to see those go in. And for someone like Josh Giddy, who only got five assists, if he connected on some of those JRE assists, you're looking at a potential double-double almost. He had seven points, five rebounds, and five assists. He wasn't a great shooter, though only went three of eight. So that's going to take you to last night's game against the Brooklyn Nets. Kevin Durant making his return to Oklahoma City. Last time you saw that, he was in a Golden State Warriors jersey, completely dodged it the last couple years due to COVID. Also, injuries were kind of spliced in, but he got a boo from the crowd. Blake Griffin, he got an ovation. You know, OU guy, Norman native. And then when you see James Harden, he also got a boo. Uh, it was a bit more mixed, though. With KD, yeah, he was just getting a boo whenever he touched the ball, right? So you roll into this one. This is like pretty much full-capacity Brooklyn Nets. This isn't like the Lakers where they're taking out LeBron. Now, granted, Kyrie was not in the lineup. Kyrie's never in the lineup for the Nets right now. They still got to sort that out. But you still got two MVPs you got to deal with and Kevin Durant and James Harden. So they strut out there, and they were actually pretty good in this first quarter, all things considered. You found it at 30-25 to through the first 12 minutes, and there were a lot of very good plays in there. Biggest one, about seven minutes in the first quarter. James Harden took JRE at the top of the key. You had Jeremiah as the starting center in this one, but he takes it on him trying to ISO, doing all the between the legs, the crossovers, just anything to get room. And he just gets completely stood up for about eight to 10 seconds. He's ISOing, doesn't work, has to kick it out because he kind of tried to collect himself, maybe bait JRE up in the air. He was not having it. So he had to kick it back out, got the basketball back in his hands, did it again, and just got completely stood up yet again. So he shanked it off the left iron, Pretty bad play for James Harden, and for Jeremiah, that was big time. Uh, when you look at the points, though, Lou Dort was the man in the first quarter. He kind of carried on from the success of Friday's game. He was shooting four of six from the floor for 11 points. The big deal, though, three of five from downtown. The Thunder, as a collective, were looking to shoot from three. They did very well to open this game. He went five of 12 in the quarter. That's about 42% there. And then for the Brooklyn side, KD is KD, man. Like, you, you really can't get a good matchup on Kevin Durant to begin with. Uh, with a Thunder roster that doesn't really play true centers, 
either. You got Bays on him, really. So there's no big body person to guard a seven footer in Kevin. And he had 10 points off of it. So that was kind of the big deal in that quarter. But you move on into the second quarter, and the Thunder, they were still throwing out those punches. Uh, they actually had a brief four point lead in the second. That got taken away. And it got taken away uh, in major, major fashion. The Nets had a 20-4 closing run in the second that really just put this game on ice for the Thunder. So they end up being down 13 points going into halftime. It was 61-48, to so that's pretty solid. Um, when you break down the second, though, it wasn't like the Stars were carrying them, right? Like KD, he had 8 points. He had... 18 by the end of that first half right but the big star that came out of nowhere was patty mills he played almost the entire quarter here and there was good reason to there was no point in taking him out this is kind of like seth curry in the first couple games where he had 23 in the first quarter you're not going to take him out the game when he's just scorching hot from distance patty mills identical scenario he goes four of six in the quarter four of five from downtown and he got all those four really in just a bundle so he got 12 uh really out of nowhere and he was kind of able to propel the nets into the situation that they were at going into halftime did a pretty decent job on the stars now like i said kd at 18 harden had 11 and then mills was that surprise third guy everyone else was relatively quiet though and then when you look at the Thunder, Lou Dort still hanging around with a 13. And SGA, he had nine points uh, at halftime. But you go into the third, looking to get a little bit of energy there. You know, we've seen it. Like, every single win has been double digits come from behind. Heroics at the very end. And, you know, they looked good in um, in the third. It was more the same, though, where there was not that major, major kind of tilting point though you didn't get that like 10-2 mid-quarter run that could uh, really push you ahead but they hung around it was 29 to 26 in the frame uh, for the nets so you go into the fourth down 16 that's the magic number 15 plus that's when you kind of put your binoculars on the game and say you know is it possible for the thunder to make a run but they made a pretty damn big run just out of SGA. He had 14 points in the quarter, 5 of 6, 2 of 3 from downtown, and they couldn't stop him. They were trying to put a ton of pressure inside, pack the paint. Nothing was working. SGA was killing them. When you're looking about uh, the Nets and what they were doing, they still had their two guys in Katie and Patty. They both had 9 points in the quarter. But in the fourth quarter, the Thunder did actually make a statement. And it didn't come from their starters. It didn't come from SGA, nothing from Lou Dort. It came from guys like Trey Mann, guys like Ty Jerome, Kenrich Williams, Poku, Roby. That was the six-man rotation that really took you for the majority of this fourth quarter. And it was interesting because you go out, you're down 16, right? But they made these comebacks. You put in the starters, you give them, you know, five, six minutes, and they make that run, and you're back in in play. Uh, they didn't do that, though. I think Dagnall just wanted to give uh, some of the younger guys real minutes, and then at the same time, maybe lose the game in the process. Like, you know, you can't blame them. Uh, that might not be the first thing on his mind, but it's got to be in the back, back of their minds. Presti might be tapping down on the sidelines or something, but... Yeah, they go out with a bench, and the bench starts just mauling the Nets. 27-11 to 11 in the period's first seven minutes. So they get down to 530. It's a 10-point game, and Mark Dagnalt throws in the starting core. So it's kind of up in hijinks again. 
And the Nets, they also got a match it. They put out their starters. And then the Nets get three consecutive buckets in like a minute or two. Right off of that, it's an 18-point game. Dagnalt threw in the towel, maybe for the second time in the contest. And then he just throws at the bench. And they end up losing the game. Grand total of this one, 120 to 96. So the four game out the window, losing by 24 to Brooklyn, which is a very respectable team. I still think the takeaways from this one, though, were pretty damn major. Because when you look at this, this was a game where you got that pretty big victory at the end with that second unit. Typically, you're going to get that surge. The bench mob was notorious for it last season. Guys like Kenrich Williams, for example, would just come out of nowhere. He'd get a batch of like 16 points off the bench, and they're able to come back or at least make it a five, six-point game uh, by the end of things. So, Kenny, he was good. He had eight points in the game. You look at Poku, he also had eight. He went four of 12, 0 of three from downtown. Pretty nifty layup he had in there. Um, and against a team like a Nets with a guy like KD, um, it makes it a little bit even more exciting to watch him do that. Look at Ty Jerome. He had 11 points in the game, four of nine from distance. And then you had the big scores. SGA had 23 points and Lou had 20 Aaron Wiggins, he got a fair share of minutes, 21 in this game. That was his NBA debut. He finished the game with three points, four rebounds, and four assists on one of four shooting. Big deal, Bays, um, he was not his true form from the past like week or two. He started the game 0 of 8, finished 2 of 13, 1 of 6 from downtown, I'm not going to fault him. Uh, it was just a bad game, I think, all around for everybody. Like, you check the stats. KD had 33. Harden had 16 points, which isn't bad. Patty Mills had 29, though. And Patty was just in that Seth Curry mode where you were not going to phase him regardless. He had a career-high nine threes in this one. Went 9 of 12 to get there. So that just tells you a little bit about how... Um, how the Nets were orchestrating. So you couldn't really take them down in one swing. It's understandable. Um, and for a guy like Bayes to have an off night against the Nets, it is, it's passable, in my opinion. So it could have been anybody with a bad game. Even Josh Giddy, for example, didn't play uh, that amazing. He went 2 of 10, 2 of 7 from downtown, only had 5 rebounds and 4 assists to go with his 6 points. So that pinned the Thunder in a spot where now... They are not, you know, a game or two away from 500. It's now a 5-8 and eight record going into Miami tonight. Um, but it is what it is. When you look at the Miami uh, team, I think if Bam's out there, it's going to be kind of difficult because it's always going to come down to the bigs. At least that's how I am viewing this team currently. Yurt7, if he, if he gets to play, I'm going to be pumped because Yurt7 was just the darling of the blue. Talked about him for the entire month of February and March, and I don't know how. Uh, the Thunder didn't show any interest. Maybe they did, and there was an under-the-table agreement for Yurt7 to go to Miami or something. But Yurt7's a very good player, and he's just a bench guy right now. But I think if there's a game that Yurt7 gets run, it might be in this one just because the Thunder don't have any true bigs. And if they play favors, I highly doubt it's going to be uh, in the bench unit if Bam is out there. You're going to have to counter Bam somehow. I don't think Jeremiah is going to be that guy, even though he did look very good uh, defensively against the Nets last night. But just kind of is what it is right there. I'll talk a bit more about that, obviously, in tomorrow's pod. 
I want to talk a bit about that guard situation, though. And before I do that, I want to let you guys know a little bit about my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook and the deal they have going on there. The NHL season is underway, and at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, they have an un- unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner, of the NHL. You must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, go ahead and call 1-800-GAMBLER. But guys, moving right along to the guard rotation, this is something that I had on my radar before the season started, and it was on everybody's radar. This was going to be an evident problem that didn't have a true solution, because you look at this Thunder squad, you have SGA, you have Josh Giddy, you have off the bench Teo, Ty, and now Trey Mann that you select in the draft. It's five players uh, worthy of minutes, but you can't really cut it that way. SGA's getting 35 a game. Josh Giddy's hovering around the high 20s, lower 30s in some case scenarios. And with Giddy really just being a straight-up two-guard, because Dort's that three right now, it does hurt the chances. And, and that's not even including someone like a Kenrich Williams, who he's not playing point guard, but he's going to eat up the minutes for these combo guards because all five or all three of them are six foot five, right? So they are able to play uh, at both the one or the two. But with a guy like Kenny Hustle, he's more of a two or a three. And the way that the team is being operated now, it's more of a two guard uh, when he's getting most of those minutes. So it does really damage uh, what these guys can do. And Mark Dagnault has been really creative about uh, how he's utilized this roster. We've seen Trey Mann with the blue. Teo Maladon has just dipped his feet in the water. He played two games with them uh, not too long ago. And Vit Krejci, he's just a OKC blue guy for the moment. He's probably going to play two or three though, even if he's kind of meant to be a point guard. I think he's kind of found more of his niche at uh, a forward spot or obviously the shooting guard as well, but the main three in Jerome, Mann, and Maladon, they all have different stories, right? Like with Ty Jerome, we know kind of with Phoenix, it didn't work out. He's playing in the G League. They didn't have room for him, and the opportunity kind of came with this Thunder trade. He was more or less a throw-in on the surface. People wanted Cam Johnson instead of Ty Jerome. They got Ty Jerome, and I think you're going to be happy with them because Ty was a very good scorer last season, looked nice with the OKC Blue, goes right into the Thunder system, and he looks very good off the ball. You're, you kind of need that uh, with a player like SGA or even Josh Giddy, uh, two very ball-dominant players who just need shooters around him. We know Ty is a straight-up sniper with Trey Mann 
at Florida. He was shooting above 40% from distance, so he did have that in his repertoire. But also, you got to remember, a lot of it was on the ball, a lot of step backs for him. We don't know much about the catch and shoot game. And then for Teo, last year, he was a pretty respectable off ball piece next to SGA. And even when he was running it, like as a starting point guard, I liked him as a catch and shoot player. I think he finished the year 34% from downtown, and I think it was around the same for the catch and shoot numbers. But that's very good for a 19 year old rookie. Uh, but when you look at what has happened this season, it does not look good for Teo Maladon. His stat line on ESPN is uh, kind of brutal. And when you look at someone like Ty Jerome, he has been a consistent factor when it comes to tallying points. I think it's the kind of clashing play styles you have here. Ty is more of that sidekick. I think Teo was a very good sidekick, but he's more of that like off the bench six man type of passer. And he kind of lost the spotlight. You pick up a guy. 18th and Trey Mann, he's going to take that kind of star power away from you. And then with Ty, he's just consistent enough to where, you know, he's a bit more flexible in rotations that you're going to fizzle out somebody. And it just happens to be Teo, even if he has looked uh, pretty good. But what I wanted to do here is I just wanted to break down how all three of these guys have played when they've actually gotten minutes, because there have been a lot of times, including actually last game against the Nets, that some of these guards aren't even clocking in 10 minutes. They're playing four or five minutes a game, and it's going to give you uh, kind of a botched stat line. So when they have played more than 10 points, here's what's happened. Ty has led so far, so he's kind of taken the reins. Trey was down in the G League, and then Teo kind of lost the positional battle for right now. But Ty's been nice. He's averaged 8.2 points, 1.5 rebounds, and 1.7 assists when he's played more than 10 a game. And from the field, shooting 36.4% and 30 flat from downtown. Trey Mann, he's only played four, but he has shot just insane from the field. Seven points, 1.3 rebounds, and 1.5 assists. Correction, it's just 0.5 assists there, so only two in total for him. But he's just been electric as a scorer. Microwave, to say the least. 55.6% from the floor, and then 57.1% from three, going four of seven from there. For Teo, he's had a lot of shots, and when you compare it to Jerome and you compare it to Mann, it's not as much, but in his five games, he's taken 25 attempts in all, only made seven of them though, but it's going to lead to some not great stats. 3.8 a game, 2.4 rebounds, and 1.8 assists for the Frenchman. As I mentioned, 28% from the floor, and then 18.8% from three, going three of 16. If Teo was going to play serious minutes, he needed to be hitting his threes off the ball because he can be an on-ball threat. We saw that. He is a very decorated passer. I still stand by my take. I think he's one of the top five passers in last year's draft class. Now, has it aged nicely? Uh, no, it has not, but... Last year, there were some very good cross-court passes from him, and I can guarantee you that's not going to be going away anytime soon. I think it's more of a confidence issue with Teo, though. I like um, that Mark has pulled him to the blue. It's a hard puzzle, though, because right now, you're not going to give Teo the spot. Ty Jerome has outplayed him, and Trey Mann has outplayed him in the with the blue system, but also, when he's gotten genuine minutes with the Thunder team, he's looked better. He's looked way better as a scorer, and he's able to pass it out. Now, we haven't seen that game yet, but 
you know, when you're looking at a guy like Mann, who you know is a very, very good at handling the basketball and can kind of play to the same tune or style as an SGA, you're going to want him in that system, right? Like Teo, he still works, but it's not that clean of a fit. And right now, I think it is kind of a misfit toy situation where Teo is very good, Ty is very good, the minutes are crunched, and even Trey Mann is kind of taking a halt, and he's taking a bit of that blowback as well from it. So someone's going to have to get moved. I believe in a trade, someone might get snuck into a deal. Any of these three are hell of a player. I think the one that's not going to be in the conversation is obviously Trey Mann. So it's either Ty, Jerome, or Teo. Right now, it looks like Ty has secured that backup spot, though. So Teo's the odd man out. I think he's going to need a couple of very good games with the OKC Blue. And he's looked far more aggressive with the Blue lately. I'll probably get a Blue dedicated pod in the next couple of days. I'm kind of waiting for a good moment because they do play five games this week. Uh, the Thunder, but the OKC Blue, they do have a bit of a gap right now. I think their next game is Thursday or Friday, so you do have a clean slate and a pretty good schedule uh, for me to maybe jam it in there during one of the Thunder's off days, but we'll see how that shapes out. I do like Trey Mann. I like kind of the potential you have with him, and I've said it since he got drafted. Uh, it's just like, man, it's uh, it's kind of one of those deals where you're looking at Trey and really all of them. Like, what is better for them? Ten to fifteen minutes in an NBA system, or thirty to thirty-five minutes with the Blue, where they have the keys and they're taking it up the court every single time. I think the conclusion that I drew up is Ty. He doesn't need to be there. He's twenty-three, going on twenty-four years old. He's looked good. You keep him as your backup, right? Between Trey and Teo. I think you keep Trey with the NBA uh, roster for right now because with Trey, he's just that scorer type. I think that the playmaking ability is going to come with it. With Teo, it's more playmaking first, shooting second. And you're not going to get as many reps in the half court with the basketball in your hands uh, with the Thunder than you are uh, in comparison to the OKC Blue. Because the OKC Blue, they have a hefty amount of guards. But whenever there are guys that are assigned, they're getting the basketball in their hands. Guys like DJ Wilson, he's played amazing. I think he dropped 13 points and 18 rebounds last week. He's still averaging 20 minutes off the bench because you have guys like Aaron Wiggins and Paul Watson who need the minutes and development is just coming first. So if you're going to be assigned, you're playing star caliber minutes. And I think that's what Teo needs. I think he's kind of in the same situation as what Baze was dealing with last year, kind of that sophomore wall. Got to just fix it a bit, get the confidence levels, and then push him back out to the Thunder unit. Uh, but the question is, you know, by that time, uh, will Ty or Trey, I guess, have already asserted himself in this rotation and if the answer is yes then it's even more complex and there's gonna have to be some sort of transaction because you can't really just hold someone back like this uh, from getting minutes when you know if they're balling out in the g league and they were leading you and minutes last year uh you know he's he's kind of not a new face for the nba scheme of things so he's ready for the system he just needs to kind of amp up in terms of the mental states and just getting back collected and being able to kind of play on or off with this Thunder unit. But I will get back to you guys in tomorrow's episode on the game recap. Might talk OKC Blue, might not. We'll have to see on that. 
there's any in particular story you want me to talk about, make sure to let me know. You guys can tell me on my personal Twitter or the pod's Twitter at ThunderstickPod. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.